0: good afternoon and welcome back to the conservatarian exchange on the liberty block streaming on facebook live we look forward to your comments today we're hosted by only one ed mike gina and myself steve good afternoon everybody
1: everybody and everyone yeah
0: no. okay um first but totally not foremost i just want to do a quick uh, review of primaries around the country. Yeah. Um, we have two, we have one New Jersey and yeah. one refugee. Um, who's echoing?
2: It's
0: not me, I promise.
2: That might've been me, go ahead. Okay,
0: might've been you. Um, we have one Jersey in and one Jersey in refugee. And um, Mike, just give us real yeah. quickly what happened, quick thoughts on New Jersey, anything surprising, anything disappointing?
2: Not, nothing too surprising. I mean, uh, you look at an incumbent like Chris Smith in District 4 in New Jersey. This is somebody who's been an incumbent since 1981. And apparently it's about a plus 25 Republican district. And he did have a challenger and he apparently still won uh, by 57 to 43. So Smith is generally looked at as a rhino. He's pro-life, which I think shields him from just about everything else that he does in terms of going along with democrats on you know key issues that obviously um you know conservatives care about but um you know that honestly it doesn't surprise me in one bit it shows the power of incumbency uh and despite it being a pretty strong republican district you can't even really get a conservative in there uh the other the other one that's of interest is the uh, the gym owner in New Jersey. And uh, what's his name uh, again? Ian, Ian, Smith. Smith. Ian Smith. Ian Smith Smith became kind of well known. He was on Tucker because he defied Governor. Um, uh, oh, my God. Murphy. Governor, Murphy. <laughs> Governor Murphy's lockdown orders and had his gym basically shut down. He was fined. I think he was thrown in jail at one point. And he was in, in the primary for, I think, District 3 here in New Jersey. And he ended up losing. And I think he, there was also, I think there were actually two other contenders in that district as well. So his candidacy did not succeed. So what percentage did he get? Not
3: sure. So it was 53-38 he lost. And the other two candidates got the remaining 10% or he, he so. He
0: got 38% of the vote, which isn't that That's bad. Not bad for a first-time running guy.
2: You know what? I mean, that's a good point, too, because sometimes it takes running more than once in order to break through.
3: Well, that guy, Crispy, who ran against Chris Smith, I think he got in the low 30s as well.
2: Yeah. He, was good,
3: he was a good candidate.
2: But again, you're not dealing with an incumbent in that race either. In which race? In in that primary. Oh, you're Ian, not, Smith's, Ian he, he Smith's. He wasn't up against an incumbent you know, he was up against right. just another, another challenger. Right. Okay. That's, I think
3: that's Andy Kim's seat. Andy how
0: hard seat. is it to find how many or how many people or what percentage voted in the Jersey primary?
3: Uh, Good question, Steve. I've
1: got that I Hold po- up on another around. screen.
2: You got it, Gina.
1: Yeah, it'll take me a minute. So you guys chit chat. My, gonna... my
0: point has been for many, many years that, um, I know our fearless leader makes the point constantly as well. He does it to pull in the direction of anarchy, but very, very few people actually decide who sit in Congress. And for some reason, you cannot get Americans to vote in the primaries where it matters. And in the general, it doesn't matter as much. Incumbents okay. almost always win. And everybody turns to their party and it says, well, you can't possibly vote for the other guy. And they get all the, all the votes of their own party.
2: So I have the results here. Ian Smith got 38.34% of the vote, 12,242 votes. Bob Healy won the race with 16,871, over 52%. And there was another challenger as well who got almost 9%. So something like 30, 35,000 people voted. And any clue how many voters are in the district? About 32,000 Primary voters. And that's 94% reporting. That's not everybody yet. Right.
0: And any clue how many voters there are?
2: No, I couldn't tell you that off the top of my head. Right,
0: well, I think each congressional
3: head. district is about, it used to be 600,000. I think it's about 700,000 voters, voters for people, yeah. not voters.
0: So that would be talking, if my math is correct,
3: 5%? Well, not every person in the district is a voter.
0: Okay. based on
3: population not on voters
0: no, it's not adult population right
3: it's not even necessarily Total citizen population. population under the case that was brought under Trump
0: right so yeah, population if, okay if there were 350,000 voters that's uh, 170th if my math is is right
3: I uh, I don't know. I mean, What's my if there's
0: 700,000 voters, no, no,
3: that's 10%. If there's 700,000 people in a district, how many, what percentage are children? What percentage are incompetence? I'm okay, sure. so if
0: 350,000 were voters and 35,000 voted, we got
3: 10%. Okay, sounds, sounds plausible.
0: That's very sad. And like I say, once the general election comes, you know, Smith turns to his people and said, well, I'm better than a Democrat. And the Democrat turns to their people, said, I'm better than a Republican. And they always count on that. And primaries, you know, we talk about power of the incumbency. Is that franking? Is it name recognition? Does that matter so much to those who go to the primaries who I assume are more motivated and know something about what's going on? Why do incumbents always win?
3: Well, I think that's I think that incumbents win in large part because of campaign finance restrictions. I think that the campaign finance laws that were passed in the, in the aftermath of Watergate make it almost impossible for challengers to succeed. And, and the example I always use is right before Watergate in 1968, Eugene McCarthy was a nobody. Well, I wouldn't say a nobody, but he basically came out of nowhere and he got maybe five or 10 really wealthy donors to support him. And he basically made Lyndon Johnson step down. That can't happen anymore because campaign finance rules prohibit it.
0: Okay, so explain to people like me why money is the only thing that drives votes, especially in a time of streaming and alternate media, especially when there should be an anti-incumbency revolution in this country all the way around.
3: Well, I reject the premise. It's not the only factor, but it is an important factor you ask, it why be, it's you ask what's reason. what's the cause and i think that the the uh, the restrictions on donations to challengers is a big reason for uh, big reason for it they need to get their name out the challengers are the ones who aren't well known you're asking why do people keep voting the same people in well cuz they don't know who the challengers are and the challengers are restricted in how they can reach out to voters cuz they can't get money they can't they can't reach out to people as well you're right that the internet makes it a little little more, little easier, but you know, we've talked you know, a lot at length about the way the social media companies are clamping down on messaging. So, you know. I'd that, actually venture
0: to say that streaming may hit as many or more people than television commercials nowadays. That would not surprise me. I'm gonna put this on the voters, just squarely on the voters. Voters do not give a crap enough.
2: I, you know, there's definitely some truth in that. I mean, Mike,
0: people stayed home from the primaries yesterday, passing how many gas stations?
2: Yeah. And you know what a lot of them are saying to themselves? Who, who can win so the Republicans get Congress in the fall? You know, am, am I going to ask Chris Smith and have some no name go into the fall that might lose the, the seat? You, you know what I mean? Like This is so, some voters do think that way. And right now, with everything that's going on, I think a lot of people are, have that mindset. We got we to take back Congress and try to fix what's wrong and, and stop Biden. I have a better His idea. Agenda. We could get Paul Ryan to come back as speaker. I mean, yeah, let's just get all the incumbents. In. I mean, it's the same cycle. It goes round and round. I mean, we're old enough to see it, right? <laughs> the pendulum just swings back and forth. At, and well, we get, well,
0: actually, the pendulum doesn't swing back and forth. It swings back and forth in terms of parties, but not in terms of policies. Um, I, I would agree
3: know, with you on that. Yeah, I will say this, Steve. I think that I think that a lot of people are anesthetized to 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 actually doing anything. I think that people think that there's a red wave coming in in November, and. Right. They, they feel like they can be passive about it. The red wave is coming. They don't need to bring it on. They don't need to do anything about it. Um, and I think that's a big mistake. Where that's coming from, I think we can talk about maybe. But um, I, I think that's a big part of the problem, that people think that, that the change is already baked in the cake. And you know, I, I don't agree with that.
0: I just, I just got to figure out if passing gas station after gas station doesn't get you off your seat to vote.
1: No, didn't yeah. you see Debbie Stabenow? She's like, it didn't bother me. I just kept yeah, driving point. by after gas station, after gas station, because me and my cool electric now, I
0: have a question by. for her. What's the range of an electric vehicle?
1: I don't know. I know I know they're not, they don't last very many years, and I can tell you. No, the range,
0: love... she did not get from Michigan to DC on without she charging, did, did she?
3: Yeah, it's like she two or three hundred miles. <laughs> Right, yeah. and
0: then that Michigan to D.C. is a lot farther than that, I believe. She
1: doesn't have to go from Michigan to D.C. She's got two different homes. She's probably got a house at each one, or sorry, a car it at wasn't each one. was the whole
0: thing that she said, I made it from Michigan to D.C. without uh, having to stop She for might gas. have.
1: I didn't hear that part. I kind of toned her up. I mean, that I was what her. she
0: was trying to say, is you suckers stop for gas and pay money, and I made it all the way without stopping for gas, neglecting to say I may have had to stop for hours to charge
2: my car. I don't even know what right. she said. I, I think that somebody just wrote an article and they went on a long trip on an electric car. It might have been in the Wall Street Journal. And shock shock, no pun intended. They were stopping to charge up and it was taking so long. You know what I mean? That they were at the end they were saying I could I was just praying for the smell of gas fumes. You know what I mean? I I, I wanted that smell again. You know,
0: I, mean, I have to admit I'm i <laughs> takes five minutes to fill up a, a tank. And that's already, yeah. from from well, let, that. let me tell you, but,
1: I went on, so we've been looking for a new vehicle for my husband and uh, I was just looking while I was on auto trader at used electric vehicles, just to see the starting price point. And within a 50 mile radius, the cheapest one near me was $57,000, $57,000, like not happening. Like I'm like yeah. 15,000, you know, used. And uh, well, yeah.
0: Aren't all cars way up anyway? Even regular old-fashioned ones? Well,
1: regular old-fashioned cars are as well, but at least I can get a clunker or something with 50, 70,000 miles on it for $15,000, and it'll last me the next six, seven years.
2: But to your point, Steve, you know, people aren't mad at Chris Smith. They're mad at Joe Biden primarily right now. I mean, they're still going to pin all this on him, it, the economic situation, the gas prices and everything. So just, you know, The fact that they don't show up at a primary and vote doesn't mean that they're not angry. They're angry. Their anger is pointed at the president, the people in power in Washington DC. That's the Democrats right now. So they're, they're not going to fire that bullet until November. Well, you know, when you have like the gym guy, he would
0: be the perfect guy to get behind if you're angry. So
3: yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I mean, I expected if anyone was going to, was gonna galvanize people to come out and vote, I thought it would have been him because he was very outspoken, very public. He, ha- he had name recognition, face recognition, and and he was standing for something. And, you know, New Jersey is just a lost cause. New Jersey is, is I don't know if New Jersey is gonna ever succeed again, Mike. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to- You're, you're, you're not gonna get
2: an argument from me there. Yeah, I, I happen but... to believe that Jersey is, is... But he, you know, play devil's advocate to a certain extent, he was running for a congressional seat. He wasn't running for a, a seat in the state legislature. He wasn't running against to be, you know, the, uh, Murphy's opponent for governor and where he could
3: point the finger at him as a tyrant and say, look what he did. You know? Yeah. So, but I mean, people knew what he stood for. I mean, he wasn't just a newcomer. I hear you. you know,
0: Okay, I don't I'm not following any other primaries. I don't know if you guys are. I think one of the big stories from yesterday was the recall in San Francisco mm-hmm. for Mr. Buden, which I think is a very good story.
3: But well, don't forget about Schellenberger, the Schellenberger didn't make the runoff in California as well. He was
1: that's he was LA. Pretty...
3: No, he was for in the governor's race. Okay.
1: And Conway flipped a seat, Kelly and Conway. Uh,
2: just to backtrack for a second, don't forget, Doctor Oz won. That's not a big win for us. Uh, let's go
0: back to Mr. <laughs> let's go back to Mister Son of Terrorist. And does that mean anything that even in Frisco, there's a backlash?
1: I mean, I think it's great. It was what sixty-three percent.
3: How could it not mean anything? I mean, of course, it means something. I mean, how much it's going to mean, whether it's going to translate to other places, I don't know. But yes, I mean, that's that's a bastion that, you know, people aren't going to listen to us there. I mean, we probably don't have too many listeners in that in that audience.
0: Mm -hmm. It's funny, Bongino always says it doesn't matter how many times they're rebuffed. They'll never change. They'll never learn their lesson. I mean, did Pelosi lose any sleep last night saying, hey, maybe they're rebelling against us or they'll just keep doubling down, which is. Probably more likely, but I assume Putin and his people were pretty surprised.
3: Well, the whole genesis—the whole genesis of that comment—is no offense to Bongino, but asinine. I mean, these people are not mistaken. Pelosi is not honestly mistaken. The, this 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 district attorney is not mistaken. You know, Tucker Carlson talks about them being children. They're not children. These are grown people that are traitors. They, are, they, they like to call us insurrectionists, but they're the insurrectionists. They're doing all of these things on purpose. They're creating crime, massive crime wave, in an attempt to, among other things, disarm us.
2: You know, it was interesting, too, last night, Ed, I, I don't know if you saw it, but the woman who uh, was run over by the car in L.A. Yeah.
3: And had her the child. Was in this, a, was in a this liberal system. and defended it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I'm totally sympathetic to this lady, obviously. You know, she was run down on purpose. She's got the child in the stroller. And she's like, but I vo- I voted for Gascon, but I didn't expect this. Well, what did you expect? Exactly. They're, they're showing us for years now what they're planning to do and what they're all about. They're soft on crime. Well, they're hard, they're hard on guns and they care about kids then, but generally they're soft on crime, right? They believe in all the reform nonsense. And this guy doesn't want to prosecute anybody. And now she's up in Except arms. For January
3: six people. Yeah.
2: Now she's up in arms and she's like, well, I'm going to be leaving the state. Well, you know what? It, it's hard to be totally sympathetic because now you're what you're going to move to a red state and start to vote blue and get the same thing. I mean, it was a little frustrating sitting there listening to this woman like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad it that, to me to that
3: Tucker didn't screen her out. I mean, how about asking her a few questions before you agree to put her on TV? And if she's going to go and endorse this kind of leftism and say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a lefty and this is all OK, except it shouldn't happen to me. Well, right. don't put that person on TV. Why well, give her a platform?
2: But, you know, it goes back to what Ed Powell says all the time, right, is when did people get off on, on the various stops off the crazy train? And is this enough for this woman to get off that train? It didn't seem like point? it. It didn't seem like it to me either. Totally. And like, what, what does it take?
0: So I I can make comments on your crazy train story and on the uh, other story in a minute. The only other thing I wanted to talk about electorally at the moment was apparently Trump said Kevin McCarthy was the second coming of the savior wrapped up in Santa Claus. And um, I don't know who else he could not say enough about Mr. Kevin McCarthy being the greatest thing since Swiss cheese. The same Kevin McCarthy who knifed him in the back last January. And I'm I'm so sick of this stuff.
3: I keep hoping that Trump is just going to discredit himself. I mean, I've been off the Trump bandwagon for a while. You know, I want to say that this will help discredit him. I want to say that the, the Dr. Oz endorsement will discredit him. Who knows? I don't know. I mean... I do know that DeSantis is, is very consistently doing, doing and saying the right things. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the two of them, you know, have a, have a nice little little battle in, uh, in a year from now, because the, the primary is going to start, in, in, you know, next summer.
0: Right. I mean, I think it has to discredit him. I just don't know if it's by half a percent or by five percent, but it, it has to because he just can't keep his mouth shut. And unfortunately, about 50% of the time he opens it, he's gone in the wrong direction.
3: Yeah, it's not just that he can't keep his mouth shut. It's it, He obviously doesn't, he's obviously not the person to lead us to the promised land. You know, I, I, I've used the analogy here before. He, he's sort of Moses who took us out of Egypt. I mean, he had an important role to play in waking us up to to what can be said and how to punch back at the left. But. He's just not going to get us to the promised land. And the sooner people on the right understand that and integrate that into their thinking, the better off this movement's going to be. And
0: you know, I would just add that it just keeps showing over and over. Among the worst problems of his tenure was his horrible choosing of people to work with. And now he just keeps compounding it and compounding it after four years of suffering defeats to it, one after the other.
2: Well, it's going to take it, something significant to discredit him, because let's face it, he, he's the favorite to be the nominee again next time. Uh, even if DeSantis runs, I, I think he's probably the favorite.
0: That I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not putting my money on that one yet.
3: I think it depends on on uh, how hard DeSantis is willing to hit him and how much he's how much DeSantis really wants it. If DeSantis wants to go after him, Trump has left himself open to a lot of, uh, to, a, to a, a well-orchestrated attack against him. And if DeSantis wants to go after the jugular, I think he could kill that beast.
0: Right. And just politically speaking, if DeSantis wants to fix the country, he'll run. If he wants to be president, he should let Trump run. And then if Trump loses, Trump's finished. Because DeSantis is sure. a really young guy. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Um, We were talking about uh, guns and stuff and and what's it going to take. So I guess this is sort of gets into the transgender issue as well. Apparently in Berlin, a gun identified as a car. And identifying as a car drove into a crowd of people and killed them all. Now, I know it must have been a gun because we know that's the only inanimate object that can kill people. So I'm assuming that they probably had to go along with its identification as a car and fall and drop dead. Well, that just
1: happened here in the U.S. as well. We had a guy, he hit uh, head on another vehicle, a drunk driving accident, which this one wasn't planned, but don't get me wrong. And then both of the vehicles jumped onto the sidewalk and just took out like 18 people, which most of them are just severe injuries. But it was like two days ago in Minnesota or something like that. But yes, only only guns, only
0: guns. Only, yeah, so that's the only way I can understand this story because I've been told that if we get rid of guns, there won't be any more murders. Exactly,
2: exactly. But remember too, it's, it's only the gun's fault unless a police officer did. it. Then right. suddenly somebody's responsible.
0: Then, then there's a person behind it. And talking about getting off the train, I don't know if you had four and a half hours to read that long article by Naomi Wolf, I sent everybody. Um, It was ridiculously long, but her confession about 100% turning around on guns from a far left liberal who thought it was only literally, um, you know, hillbillies and rednecks who had guns to somebody who gets it and is 100% in favor of the Second Amendment as written,
3: period, is absolutely unbelievable. Well, I haven't read the article yet, but I, I did read some of the other stuff about, I mean, about the, the shootings and about proposed gun control. And, and my, my, my thought about it is, why are we having a national conversation about this? This should just be a local issue. I mean, as conservatives, we should be emphasizing that this should be a local issue. If Uvalde or Chicago or New York or Charlotte or wherever you want to be, if they want to impose gun control. I mean, I totally oppose it, but it should be a local local decision making, and it should be a local issue.
1: So, were you not touched by Matthew McConaughey when he got up there and gave his little briefing? No, I'm not
3: touched by any of these idiots. No, <laughs> I mean, I th- you know, I Matthew maybe McConaughey is glorified guns. He's glorified guns in the movies, you know. So when he's yeah. when he wants to tell me that you know he wants to ban them in real life. No, it doesn't move me at all. Right. I mean, if anything, I'm just repulsed by the by the hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, if he really is that dead set against them, then he should put his money where his mouth is and stop making movies that that glorify them and make money off of it. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a I'm borderline of a of a you know of a gun absolutist. I do believe that you have a right to defend yourself, but um, more importantly, I'm an absolutist on federalism, and I think that. That local places should be able to decide how they want to live. And, you know, if, if you know, we here in Burke County, North Carolina, if we don't want guns in, in our in our neighborhoods, I mean, I think it's a stupid decision and I don't know how it will be enforced, but it should be up to us as, as a local community, Gina, to decide that's what we're going to have.
0: Well, I guess the argument against that would be the Second and 14th Amendments that say you can't take away my right to guns, unlike what Kathy Hockle just signed in New York State, which is basically every gun prohibition there is. I think they raised the age and a whole bunch of other things she just signed into law. But if there's a Second and 14th Amendment, what right does she have to have?
3: I'm not arguing on a constitutional level. I'm arguing on a policy level. Right. And I agree
0: with you totally, obviously, on a policy level.
3: On a policy level, I think it should just be local decision making. Um, I think that the, and it's really, you know, there's a whole separate argument and a whole separate discussion as to, you know, how far incorporation of the Bill of Rights against the states should go. Um, Right now, the courts have basically incorporated everything against the states and incorporated the Bill of Rights against the states. But I can tell you that a lot of the things that have conservatives so upset—things like gay marriage and uh, you know all the social issues, abortion—which we're going to get that decision in the next couple weeks—those are all coming from incorporating the you know the Fourteenth Amendment's incorporation of the Bill of Rights against the states. And the real way to stop federalizing these issues is to rethink incorporation and to rethink the way the Fourteenth Amendment applies and. To, to really and truly respect local decision making, if some locality wants to legalize abortion and ban guns, I mean that should just be that should be up to them. And as people on the right, we should we should respect federalism above almost all else. I mean, I won't say above everything. Else, uh, right.
1: So, do you think that the left is going to applaud the gunmen that try to take out Kavanaugh over Roe versus Wade?
3: Um. No, seriously. I think the left is unprincipled and, and they'll, they'll applaud anything that advances their cause. And they're not concerned with hypocrisy at all. To them, it's all a war. And if, if it advances their cause in the war, they're happy with it. Right.
0: Um, I, think- I don't have the time to look up the New York state constitution, but as far as I know, most constitutions have gun rights in them, even in the states.
3: Well, then, it can be argued on a on a state level and on a state constitutional basis. To me, um, I, I just think that it would help our cause immensely if we if we change the language and change the legal debate away from how we federalize things. You know, we shouldn't be talking about we shouldn't be talking about a federal gun ban any more than we should be talking about a federal abortion ban. We should be talking about letting localities decide how things are in their locations. And and we should be getting away from federalizing issues and having the federal government imposing with an iron fist a policy, even if it's the right policy. I mean, the whole point of federalism is everybody gets to make mistakes and learn from their mistakes. And we don't need some central authority telling us the quote, right way, unquote, to do something.
0: Okay great that, point there were two kind of positive stories about the gun thing number one of course desantis what he did to the tampa bay uh, baseball team down there i assume nobody heard about it yes.
2: Yep. well it's it's nice to get to the right decision even if it's for uh maybe not the reasons you should have chosen what do you mean but, well that's corporate welfare isn't it why, why was florida oh, you mean he shouldn't because, have given it anyway yeah why were they about to subsidize? Uh, spring training facility for the Tampa Bay Rays. See, this, this is where it's like, listen, I love DeSantis. I think he's been right on a lot of things, but this may be one I- instance where he was probably on the wrong side of something. And if you're not inside baseball down in Florida and knowing everything that's going on, you miss these things. But that's, that's the one thing that caught my attention there. Is they were about to subsidize that that spring training facility. May anyway, not
0: be a hill that was worth dying on. <laughs>
2: But anyway, if he wants to stick it to them over the gun, then that's fine too. But I mean, I think that's fantastic to just shove it right up
0: and say, you know what, you want to be political, okay?
2: Yeah. I mean, you you have to pay a price once you wade, wade into these waters. And then we have this upstate New
0: York guy who a week after coming out saying he's not against gun control is not running anymore for Congress because the backlash was so strong. And that's New York State, granted the Buffalo area, but I think that's tremendous. It's
3: fantastic.
0: I wish they well, could throw a coin. I mean, is, is a pretty conservative
3: else. place if you get away from the cities.
0: Pretty much, yeah. But apparently the backlash was incredibly strong. So, I mean, I guess, again, that's another good thing. And then you have Elise Stefanik. I, I, the more I read the story about her, I'm not 100% sure she wants to incentivize gun safety. It's like I want to be Democrat light or something. She's well, going to give the that. The Democrats credits.
3: want to ban things, and she wants to bribe you to do the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you don't have the brains to get training for your gun, she's going to give you two hundred fifty dollars in tax credits, and that's going to fix the world. It, it's, it's just the the Republican race to be Democrat light, which we've talked about many times before. That's what it smells like to me.
2: So yeah. when when are our brains fully formed again? Because Jerry Nadler said if you're 18, 19, 20, it's not fully formed. So you can't own a gun, right?
1: If it's if it's a man, that's when they're like 40. But You
2: you can vote and you change your sex and all that kind of stuff. That go to war. At four, you no, can decide think- to
0: change your gender but at 18, you can go to war at 21, you're old enough to buy a gun.
3: Well, yeah, I think the real story on that is is the transgender issue for children and and all the the state proposals to bar parents from even knowing that their kids are being uh, groomed for for gender change, transformative, transformative surgery. Um, You know, if a 13 year old is capable of, of making that decision, why isn't a 13 year old capable of anything else? But You know, they want to lower the, you know, Pelosi said she wants to lower the voting age to 16. Right. If they can vote, why can't they own a gun?
2: It goes right back to what you were saying before. It's all about right. pursuing power in their agenda. And it doesn't matter. If, Correct. If it doesn't make any sense. Right. But sooner or later, somebody's asked
0: some questions. I mean, Tapper, who was Tapper given a hard time to? I don't remember. It was Yellen or somebody else? even the left-wing press sometimes has to ask when you contradict yourself twice in three minutes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she put on some show this week too, right? Uh, Yeah, another total winner. Uh, So.
3: I knew her at Berkeley. My condolences. Wow. (laughs) I I was warned to not take her as, as an economics professor, so I... I intentionally chose a different section, but I I knew her and knew of her when I was at Berkeley in the 80s. She was a a clown show then, and she's no better now. Right.
2: Well, this is another issue, which is it really should be front and center. And no matter who the Republican nominee is, they should be making the Federal Reserve a major, major issue and making the argument that this is the reason that we're in the economic straits that we're in, the dire straits that we're in, and I don't right. know.
3: But just no, to finish
2: mean, to finish the point about yeah. your federalism argument, this all meshes together, right? Which is, we have a, a central bank that controls money, controls credit. It didn't always used to be that way, right? There were decisions were the Dem- made if were by. Dem- bank-
3: if if I were a Democrat strategist, and the Republicans tried to sell this as as Biden inflation, I would I would say, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand how inflation happens. It doesn't happen in a day or a week or a month or even a year. This has been going on for a long time. It went on through the, the entire Trump administration where spending was completely out of control and both Republican House, Republican Senate and a Republican president all signed on to incredible spending bills. Even under Obama, when, when Obama was president, you had a Republican House and a Republican Senate for part of the time. The Republicans have their fingers all over this inflation as much as the Democrats do. And if I were a Democrat strategist, I would pound them on it. I don't think that this is such a, a big Republican issue as Republicans think that, that is. Somehow, the Democrats have not been willing to fight it. I shouldn't say somehow. There's a reason why the Democrats aren't fighting it. And that's because the Democrats want the inflation they're not willing to attack the inflation because they see it as a means to get their green new deal through congress to the extent that it hasn't been passed already they want you know they want to use high gas prices for their own benefit for their own advantage so that's the reason they're not blaming republicans it's because they're not they don't see it as a blameworthy event they see it as a positive event that's going to help them advance the agenda they want to pass through so but if i were a democrat strategist I would pound the Republicans on this inflation. I think the Republicans are lucky that that the Democrats don't want to hang this around Trump's neck and hang this around the Republicans' neck because I don't think the Republicans have a good answer for them.
2: No, listen, I agree on the spending equation. They're all guilty. I'm surprised it it took this long for this to really happen. But there's two parts of all this in a sense, right? There's there's Congress and the spending and the controlling the purse strings, but then there's the Federal Reserve. You know, and I think you could make you could target it and, and make it an issue like Ron Paul did in the past. At least he's he, he basically, you know, he started making those those arguments. But now with what we're living through, I think you could really demonize it. And I was, I was... Let's,
3: let's play that out, Mike. Go ahead. Demonize. it. What are you going to say that we need to You're get rid to of spending? it? We need to get rid of the bank. Which bank? The Federal
2: Reserve. It needs to go. We need to get rid of it. Just like we're you were talking about federalism before, we need to decentralize everything. This is a power that the federal government was not supposed to have. And look at what it's done to our economy. It's destroyed it. It's destroying you, the quality of your life every single day.
3: I so mean, you're opposed to a national currency like the dollar?
2: I'm no, I'm I'm a I'm opposed to the, the, the centralized bank.
3: Okay, and it, how are you going to have a national currency without a centralized bank?
2: <laughs> yeah, you, know, you might have be there. I'm not really sure the answer to that question. There you go over my head. <laughs> I, I don't I mean, know, I'm opposed to about, the Federal Reserve, I mean, we, but didn't, I'm didn't just, we ha- wait? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not I'm I'll not an, extra, speak, I'm not an, I'm an expert on monetary policy, but we had a dollar before the Federal Reserve, didn't we?
3: Well, we had, we had competing currencies. We didn't have a nationally issued currency. Okay. And then it needs to know, be devolved. Right. I mean, and you know, in the, in the 19th century, you had banks issuing currencies the same way you have banks issuing credit cards today. Okay. And, and that's where you had bank runs because sometimes the bank would issue too many dollars or too many, you know, too much, you know, the, the, the banks would, would expend credit too much and people would lose confidence in the bank and they'd make runs on banks. And, and the bank would fail, and people would lose their savings. That's why the 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 you know the geniuses decided we needed a, a central bank to be a lender of last resort. Now, just to finish my thought from, from a minute ago, I'm totally opposed to the central bank. I'm just saying, I, I don't think the Republican Party has one-tenth the brains necessary to make the argument against the Federal Reserve now. I think if they tried to, they would be humiliated. So- uh, you know, I'm all for Trump coming up with arguments against the, the central bank. I just don't think that this Republican Party has the has the brainpower to do it.
0: Well, or to uh, it. I don't
3: think that I don't think they have the will to do it. Well, that oh, too, they American, have the will to cut spending.
0: The American citizenry would never understand it. It can't be put into a three second soundbite on TikTok. I think most Americans would have no clue what they're
3: talking about. Here's the soundbite. They're printing money and destroying your wealth. And there's no end in sight.
1: Now, when it, they hear it, they're printing money, they're just going to think they're getting some more for free. That's not going to do nothing, Ed. They're going to be like, ta I'm going to buy a new TV.
2: Right, yeah, like uh, where does Obama not, get not, the money from? He just not, gets it. Not yeah. when you tie it to high gas prices and rising prices it generally. In wait, wait a minute. How
0: many people in America know that gas prices go up when you don't drill for gas? I mean, if you can't figure that out, then what are we expecting of their economic literacy?
3: Well, fundamentally, though, if you if you stop the spending, then you stop you cut off the reason for them printing money in the first place. That's really where the, the argument needs to be made. We don't need to have this technical argument about you know what government spending and government printing of money does and and how how it works its way through the economy. What needs to happen is we need to say, when you sit down and do your budget. If you make $50,000 or $100,000 a year and you spend double that, you're going to go bankrupt. And that's what the country is doing. And the Federal Reserve is just doing what it can to try and stave off bankruptcy. But ultimately, bankruptcy is the only place where we can go unless we cut spending. That's the argument. You're almost taking me
0: back to my primary argument at the beginning of the show. Um, What are there three Republicans in all of Congress who care about not printing so much money? (laughs) I say maybe Massey, Rand Paul, I don't know, maybe one or two others.
3: Those are the two I had in my head. I don't know if there's anybody else. I'm being
0: generous, maybe one or two others. So they don't care. And people don't understand it. And they think you can just print forever and ever, apparently. I mean, you got to wonder, apparently in, in... California gas is well up in the sevens and in some places way above that, I believe. Is there any number at which people will rebel or they'll keep saying, well, the price went down to $6, they can, you know, 1984 wise.
1: Maybe they think they'll get a free electric vehicle like they get free phones. So if they become poor and they sign up for Medicaid instead of a flip phone now, they'll get a free electric vehicle. I mean, you know, you
0: role should role. you should run for Congress, or, and that would be a as platform. A oh, An electric so vehicle hard. in every garage.
1: Mm-hmm. I totally could do that. Watch out, AOC. If, I'm moving to New York.
2: Or a solar powered vehicle.
3: Yeah, throw a solar panel on the on the on the roof. As bad as things are here, though, they're worse in almost every other industrial country. Every oh, other yeah. country is printing money much faster than we are, and spending much faster than. I don't know about spending much faster than we are, but most of them are spending much faster than we are. And if, you, if you've been following, I follow the financial news and as much as we're having domestic inflation, the dollar is actually strengthening internationally because every other country is doing even worse than we are. And, and it's a fascinating thing to be watching the, the domestic economy unraveling while the dollar is strengthening around the world. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hurt. the world is hurtling towards a catastrophe. And, you know, we're going to see the, you know, the, the feces hitting the fan before long.
0: Okay, so you're saying we're dumb, but they're dumber.
3: Um, the, the phraseology that prevails in the, in the economics community is that we have the least dirty shirt.
0: Okay, no Chinese jokes allowed, folks. Whoever laughs, is, China whoever has laughs a pretty dirty that, shirt too. Whoever laughs is a racist. All right, and and I think the story that may be most upsetting of the week is the Peter Navarro arrest. I don't think I know Tucker hit it hard. Um, I don't think you can say enough about how horrible this is.
3: I agree 100%, but I, even Tucker didn't really hit the, the the biggest issue to me, which is there is no legitimate legislative purpose to the January 6th committee. Congress, yes, there is.
1: Yes, there Congress, is.
3: No, there is not. What, yeah. what legislation could they pass
1: Oh, they can't. I'm being a smart, but it's just for them to get on to ABC and NBC and stuff tomorrow night. That's there's, all.
3: No, there's no legislative purpose <laughs> to, the, to those hearings. It's
1: for Congress is
3: certainly entitled to hold hearings. They can try and figure out, you know, is there price gouging in, in the oil market? Is there, you know, do we need to create a subsidy for farm products? What, what there, there are, there are you know, we may be against that legislation, but it's legitimate and legislation. And maybe,
1: maybe they're trying to help NBC and ABC and all of and CNN and all these ones that are doing horribly. And they're trying to get them ratings. And instead of passing legislation to give them money, they're trying to give them ratings. Maybe I don't know. But I,
3: I, I'm I know you're just joking around, but yeah, seriously, there has to I be a legitimate legislative purpose to a congressional hearing before a subpoena can be valid. And Separate isn't it supposed of-
1: to be bipartisan?
3: separate and apart from whether the executive privilege applies. There's no valid purpose for the subpoena. Congress is not allowed to adjudicate guilt of anybody. Right.
0: So the beauty of this, said is that they arrested him before letting him even have his day in court to decide that one, which makes but, but, this no, no.
3: Yes, you're, but you're talking about whether whether the claim of executive privilege is proper. I'm saying even before you get to the claim of executive privilege, the subpoena is invalid on its face because the committee is invalid on its face. But
0: you need there a judge no to know who is saying it. Huh? Who is saying that?
3: I'm saying that.
0: And listen, you're 100% <laughs> right. But again, what's so scary about this is Congress calls up the DOJ, and the DOJ goes out and puts leg irons on a 17 year old, 72 year old alleged white collar criminal. This, this is It's absolutely mind-boggling. There's not a pretense of any, um, you know, equal justice under the law. There's not a pretense of anything here. This is so brutal.
3: Right. And, you know, we were taught, you were talking, to me, this ties back to your comments about primaries and voting. To me, I don't see how we can vote our way out of things like that. I mean, if the American people are looking at what's going on and saying, what good is voting I'm not sure I disagree with them. I mean that is not what happens in a free society. That's not even what happens in a banana republic this is this is we're seeing what happens in dictatorships and we're we're the only thing that's preventing us from being a full-blown dictatorship right now is that we're we're living on the fumes of, of past glory and past... You know past achievements, but right now the people in power are full-throated totalitarians, and they're doing everything they can to act as full-throated totalitarians. And we have no opposition to it. the the uh, The opposition party is not willing to to stand up and call them insurrectionists. The the Democrats have the goddamn audacity to call their oppos op- their opponents insurrectionists when they are the ones who are the true insurrectionists and the, the, and you know why are people not willing to vote why the hell i mean you know i voted and i'm not saying don't vote but this is not yeah. a voting issue this is a revolution issue they are they are politicizing law enforcement they're trying to disarm you so you can't defend yourself against criminals or the government how do you we, vote against that i mean that's, you- if you read Naomi
0: Wolf's long, long, that I mentioned, it? it's a very long article, yeah. but worthwhile, she's like, she's using this, you know, January 6th and these other things that the only thing between us and that is 2A. Not that I think anybody would have resisted. 2A went to Felton Navarro. What, he's gonna pull a gun on the FBI? So I'm not quite sure right. what, you know, how 2A is gonna solve that. But I agree right. with you. I mean, deep state, you, you look Eric Holder and Peter Navarro and some of us, our heads are literally exploding.
2: Yeah, I mean, and look, we talked about this a lot. The Republican Party gives you no reason to really you won't want to support it, you know, because they don't fight. I mean, there were times in the past I can remember I wanted to run to the election booth and cast my vote. Now it's like, it's totally dispassionate. I forget what because the issue is, you saw MTG.
0: Um call that Lindsey Graham on some show. She goes, is this is his phone number. Call him up. I forget if it was on the guns issue or what. And she's just like, go after him because he's the one making all the trouble. I mean, how many times has he spoken up for j Sixers? He's on the other side of it, isn't he? Correct. It's on MTG
3: is one of the few that's willing to fight.
0: Right.
3: And I don't
0: think the press is going to go over to every Republican and make them say, are you okay with what happened to Navarro? Has anybody heard any Republican talk about it?
1: Jim Jordan in the press hey, conference Jordan. this afternoon, that was about it.
3: What did Jim Jordan say?
1: Oh, he was just appalled to the whole thing. That was his, his biggest thing, just oh, how oh. appalling it was.
0: And by the way, what's the stop him from don't. arresting him? Nothing. I mean, that that's how crazy it's, it's gotten already. They can arrest anybody for anything. Because like you say, Ed, based on what did they arrest him on a committee that has no business being yeah. a committee, a subpoena, a subpoena they have no business issuing, that's never been adjudicated, there's <sighs> nothing there, and yet still they arrested him. You back? Correct. You back? And going back to guns, because I think that was somebody's nickname around here, when you talk about red flag laws, um, you just put two and two together and we can all be red flag.
3: I mean, that's essentially what's happened with the January Sixers.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is very, this arrest is very Soviet. I, I I
3: think this is the worst one. How is this worse than Roger Stone or um, who was the other Michael guy? Michael Flynn. Stone was actually,
0: there was Flynn. an indictment, wasn't there? Like from the Justice Department, wasn't there an indictment?
3: yeah. I mean, I, I, this was just a criminal referral from Congress to from DOJ. Congress,
0: where does Congress get criminal referral rights from?
3: Well, I think if you're if, if you're legitimately in contempt of Congress, it can be a criminal offense. How? By and by, by the way, like, and who determines
0: that? Like, since how does Congress get an executive power to call the police on somebody?
3: Well, they have subpoena power to get you to testify on legitimate issues. But subpoenas I mean, so have where to be do enforceable.
0: The, Where do they get the enforcement power? Doesn't that always belong to the executive branch?
3: Well, they make the referral to the executive branch. The, Merrick Garland is the one who executed on it. Congress didn't have its own police force arrest him. The Department of Justice arrested him. Okay, and in this
0: country, you could be arrested without an arrest warrant signed by a judge
3: I mean I don't know criminal law so well so I don't know My, I mean I don't know the procedure on that
0: I, it's just <laughs> to me it's just unbelievable and I remember with Eric Holder I remember Trey Weldy just like haha, that's really funny who cares
3: I remember it too
0: and that had a lot stronger basis if any and that was bipartisan and I think the whole congress if I remember correctly
3: well not only uh, that A judge actually adjudicated the executive privilege claim and said, there's no executive privilege that applies here. Mm -hmm. And they just left the Eric Holder case. So yeah, the Eric Holder case is worse. We have a two tier justice system.
0: It's so bad. I know Bannon is is supposedly fighting back hard. I don't know what will be. I don't know why they just lock him up. I mean, what would anybody do if they just locked him and Navarro? And frankly, what if they locked up Tucker tomorrow night? What would anybody do?
3: I don't know. I, I, I think they want to do worse than lock Tucker up. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that he's paying his uh, his bodyguards very well and that he's got, you know, that he, he's exercising Second Amendment rights for all of them. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I don't want them using military weapons, assault weapons,
3: whatever that is. I hope they have every weapon possible. If they have nuclear bombs, that would be OK with me. Ooh, ouch. All right. What other
0: stories you guys want to talk about?
3: Let's
2: see.
3: Well, it wasn't in your show notes, but the, the Communist Party in China has started to lift the, the, uh, the lockdown in Shanghai. It's not fully lifted. But I, I really think that what's going on in Shanghai is... is oh is worthy of a lot more thought on our side. I mean, it's it's clear to anyone who can think that that the zero covid policy that they're trying that they're ostensibly trying to implement and enact there is it, it doesn't work, it's not rational, it's not sane. And however evil the communist party of China is, I know that they know that we're not dealing with with the you know the woke left in America. There's some ulterior reason why they're locking down Shanghai. I, I speculated on previous shows that maybe they want to contribute to our supply chain problems, um, but I don't know. I, I think that's a story that's that's sort of gone below the you know below the surface of the news here in America, but. I really think that's an important story, and we we shouldn't lose sight of it.
0: I mean, is it partly because we have no expectations of freedom there? We just shrug it off.
3: Maybe, but I mean, it's to me, it's less about the rights violation of the citizens. Although that's an important thing to me, uh, my my interest is more: what does it indicate about what what China's. Uh, Diplomatic and international strategy is. I mean, is this is this some sort somehow related to to an invasion of Taiwan? Is this related to trying to to break our supply chains? Is this? They don't need to, lock, to truly, they need
0: to lock down Shanghai to break our supply chains. They just don't let ships out. What, why do they need to do that?
3: Well, because I mean, Shanghai because Shanghai is where the ships are are leaving from, and there these workers are working in factories and producing goods that presumably would come to the west but maybe it's not that I don't know maybe it's a purely internal thing that G is trying to consolidate his power before the next party Congress I don't know but I, I do think it's worth it's worth it's worth keeping in our attention and and not just forgetting about it because I think it indicates something bigger than than we all think right now and I guess we'll see in a couple of couple of weeks. I mean, I think the summer is going to be an interesting summer. Let's put it like that. Uh-huh.
0: Um, is anybody changing opinions on this monkeypox thing? Are they going to make something of it? What's happening?
1: Well, they moved up the rate of transmission or the emergency level, what it is to a level two. So no, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I mean, most of your cases have been sexual transmission. Um, I don't think it's going anywhere. I've I mean, just they, there are
0: one or two jurisdictions, at least, that are putting masks in. There are a few that are recommending masks.
1: Yeah, but they were recommending masks before the monkeypox. But they
0: I'm just saying, is it only like a little bit of revving up, or are they really going to try and use this? Have they given up on masks totally?
1: I don't think they've I given up know. on the mask, but I don't think they're going to get anywhere with the monkeypox. Being as people can avoid it, um, 100% and prior childhood vaccinations. But um,
0: don't they have just provenance? have to get Fauci to get up there and say what he did about AIDS that you can't avoid it? And there you go. All and...
1: Yes. That'll work.
3: I think they're searching for their for the the wedge they're going to use to try and re, re-implement authoritarianism on us. I don't think they've let go at all. I don't think that anybody has really challenged them on the propriety of lockdowns and masking and vaccinations. You know, we had uh, we had Josh Yoder on last week and Josh and his organization, US Freedom Flyers is working hard to bring cases in the airline industry. Um, I'm planning to work together with him and with some other people. Um, I don't know that this is something that can be solved in the courts. The courts are sort of, you know, they're not really on our side on, on any issue, but um, I, I do think that the, the left is, is just waiting in the wings to, to try and reimpose authoritarianism on us. And um, I don't think they're deterred at all. Because of the
0: elections, are they waiting for that?
3: Um, I, I think that that's, I think that's their, their reelection strategy. How they're going to do it, I don't know yet. But uh, what they're doing is is so insanely irrational. If they're just planning to convince us to vote to vote Democrat, um, there's no possibility that that's what they're doing. They they have to have some sort of plan that they think is going to prevent us from voting Republican. I don't know what it is. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be. You know, mail-in balloting with you know widespread fraud. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, if you watch what they're doing, they are on almost every policy issue. Whether it's whether it's gas prices, whether it's laughing about the the baby formula shortage, whether it's whatever it is, they are thumbing their nose, their finger in our eye, metaphorically, and they are not. There's no apology. There's no, oh, we're sorry, we did the wrong policy. We're going to change nothing. Everything is doubling down on things that everybody knows are are causing grave harm to the American people. And the, the Democrat Party is not at all acting like a party that thinks it needs to answer to the electorate. That's what I think. You mean like bad jobs reports are actually a good sign? I don't think they care. that it's no, There's no good sign or bad sign to them. I think that they think that they've got this under control based on something that they haven't disclosed to us yet. I'm not Do you so think sure about that. They can, that?
1: Yeah, I don't think, you know, because they've just released more polling and they released, what is it, 83% of Americans are not um, satisfied or happy. They think either the economy is poor or not well. You know, with these numbers, that supports my
3: point, Gina. That's exactly my point. (sighs) A party, a party that thought it was going to win an election and convince people, would look at numbers like that and say, "Holy cow, we better do something different." This party is not doing anything different. They're doubling and tripling down on everything that is pissing people off, which tells me they don't care whether they persuade us. They don't think that we're going to be able to vote them out anyway. That's what it tells me.
2: Well, I don't think they care if they lose an election because as long as they keep moving that ball. As I, lo- I hear if, you, if, but if, but my, if I mean, it,
3: if it, it gets, gets slowed down. My, I, I agree you with you, but election cycle, this is, this is not gonna 2010. Wait cycle. In 2010, they had Obamacare passed and they got uh, uh, Dodd-Frank passed. In 1994, they got the assault weapons ban passed. They have not passed anything that has any staying power other than the destruction, other than the inflation. There's nothing that they can point to and say, all right, we'll lose an election or two, but we got we got what we wanted. They didn't get anything that they wanted. They're just all they're just being revealed as destroyers. They're being revealed as as worse than Herbert Hoover. So to me, they're they're setting themselves up to be kicked out of power longer than the Republicans were in 1932. I mean it took 20 years for the Republicans to get power back. And that's and, and I think it's going to take longer if we have a free and fair election. I, I'm not convinced we're going to, but I that's, think that, that's, that's, that's what their only like their me. only
2: chance right now is probably probably cheating.
3: Or I mean, just, they, they're going to run up. Three three weeks, wedge,
2: some... They have wedge issues. They're going to try to exploit Roe versus Wade and abortion and, and guns and all this stuff. So. But I don't think it's going to be enough because. The economy, economic conditions, are always a big driver, and when they're bad, you're in trouble.
3: Right, but or even with historically, the
2: bad, you're in trouble.
3: What are the Democrats doing to to suggest that Republicans are responsible for the bad economic conditions? They're no, not they're making not. any. They're not making any argument. They don't feel like they have to persuade us. I, I think it's important to recognize that because there's a danger. I mean, yeah, I'm a real danger.
1: But is that because it's better for them to just say, oh, it's actually not bad and continue lying because people continue to believe it and just say, oh, no, it's actually this is a good thing. This is a good thing rather than trying to persuade.
3: That might sound reasonable and plausible, Gina, if you didn't give me the stat that 83 percent of the people see it as a problem right now. Yeah, I mean, but did those said that.
1: No, I I agree with that. But how many of the Democrats really give two craps enough to change what they're gonna vote for. They're so far brainwashed, that really doesn't matter to most of them.
0: Right, and by like, the way, Dina, if you're making the point, you could have 100% of the Democrats upset with how the
2: country's going, but they
1: they'll will still, vote, still that way.
2: vote Republican.
1: Right, they'll still vote that way.
2: I get one or two here and there. Well, let's, it, I guess you know, I'm a
3: minority of one. I, I think that what the Democrats are telegraphing is, they don't <laughs> think that they have to answer to the electorate. They don't owe us an explanation. They don't owe us good times. They don't owe us good policies. They don't owe us a damn thing. And they're they're planning to just give us a middle see, but, finger.
1: See, but even if they lose, I mean, they can still implement whatever the heck they want, whether it's lawful or not. They own every flipping thing. So whether it's these credit social economic scores, whether it's deals with BlackRock, whether it's stuff with the media, they're still going to push whatever the heck they want. Like, I mean, they, they are going to win regardless. It may not be at the actual election, but they're still gonna be winning.
0: I mean, where's the, you know, the backlash against Yellen getting up there and saying, oh, I was wrong. Like, what, what is that? And, and you don't resign because, do we ever really get angry enough to do anything? And that's why, you know, I, I tend to agree with what Gene is saying. It doesn't really matter. What they well, do their do.
3: administration is doing a job that doesn't that doesn't warrant resignation Isn't, is 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 uh, Peter Buttigieg, is he doing a good job?
0: I think with, Dr. Uh, Biden is being a very good Surgeon general.
3: Who? Dr. Biden. He's, Beautiful.
1: He's got jokes. he
0: got
3: jokes. <laughs> I mean, if you go through <laughs> all of them, I mean, well, the you Commerce know, Secretary KHS, who said she's not involved in the in the formula. The Commerce right. Secretary. I mean, the only thing that explains what's going on is they're intentionally trying to destroy things. They're not going to resign over that. They're, they're, You know, to use Gina's phrase, they're flipping succeeding. Good job. No, they aren't. Okay. But I, I would say, Ed, if there's a couple of things
0: you've convinced me in the years we've been doing the show together, Is that it is intentional, and that they don't give a darn. I think that's where you've moved me the most on all of our discussions, and I see some bright people out there parroting you on that, probably because they listen. (laughs)
1: That's
0: it. No, I'm, I'm I'm being serious about that part. So, my apologies. Okay, Mike, what didn't we talk about that you wanted to talk about?
2: Um, let me see. I'll tease you. You ready? I'll, I'll tease you. You got you gotta watch watch my thing. There you go. Now I put up my pride.
1: It's absolutely yeah. oh, not on liberty
2: no. block. On liberty no. block. <laughs> Ooh, at it's least pop pride I can take right now. <laughs> Oh wow. So um look, you know, obviously it's pride month, and everybody's supposed to be for pride, otherwise you're a bigot, right? So I, fa- I found it interesting. I was listening to uh, WFAN in New York, which is a sports radio station. And there's uh, the, the drive time host are Craig Carton. And um, I forget the other. It's Cart- Carton and Robert- Roberts. But anyway, there was a story that came out on the Tampa Bay Rays that a number of their players, about four of them, did not want to wear the uniform because it was going to have the rainbow colors on it. Now, a lot of these sports organizations, franchises like the Mets, they have Pride Night, right? They want they want to get that crowd out to the game. Which, you know, if they want to do that, that, that's fine. But to date, I don't think any of them have tried to force the players to wear a uniform with a pride symbol on it. So four raised players objected to it. They put out a statement which basically said, look, you know, you're all welcome to the come to the game we we don't hold anything against you it just it goes against our beliefs you know and they're expressing the fact that they were uh, i think you know christian and they believe in god's law and everything like that and i'm listening to this guy craig carton on the radio basically there's no other way to put it but he's trying to bully them into wearing the uniform like you are you're basically a bigot if you don't play along and you're using Religion as like a, a cop out, he put it, and I'm, I'm sitting there pretty disgusted by what I'm listening to. But these people are so righteous, self righteous about it. You know, they they, you know, you're basically evil if you don't go in lockstep with everything that they say. And there was nothing unreasonable about what these players are saying. You could have strongly held religious beliefs, okay, that teach you to lo- love the sinner but hate the sin, right? Mike and they get credit. They're the tolerant ones. Exactly. They're the bigots. They're the intolerant ones. That's the whole point that I'm getting mm-hmm. to, and, and it's sickening. So I I commend the players for I, I really do. Stand I, standing, I standing stand. up for what they believe in and not wanting to put that uniform on because they wouldn't want to, to do to it. They're driving aren't
0: they? <laughs> Ed,
1: Ed they're driving, I believe. Ed meslish you did see the article um i posted about who's putting on a new carolina panther cheerleader uniform
0: yes oh i think i know what you're talking
1: about Ah. i can just imagine all the guys in the audience like gawking at these girl dancers because this guy that is trying to be a woman this transgender is trying to uh well he's not trying to be they've given him a spot on the girls cheer team and to he took a girl's position. But oh my goodness, can you imagine these men that don't know they're staring at a man because it's kind of far off? And then all of a sudden they spit out their beer because they realize it's got an Adam's apple. Oh my God, it's just gonna be hilarious. Absolutely I hilarious. Think,
3: I, I I think the the important part of the pride story that Mike raises, <laughs> I think it's broader, actually. I mean, the, the real the real story to me is pride is something that it's not something you don't take pride in something that you had nothing to do with doing you take pride in something that you accomplished that's a whole other story yep and you know we're seeing throughout the gay movement and and particularly the transgender movement you know that they're they're acknowledging implicitly that these are all choices people make you know that you can choose you know they wouldn't need to propagandize children if you're born gay or if you're born transgender, it wouldn't be a big deal. If you're just born that way, then it doesn't matter if you wait until they're 21 or if you wait until they're 18 or whatever, because they're born that way, they're always gonna be that way. By, by, by saying that we have to take pride in it, by saying we need to expose children to it, they're implicitly acknowledging that these are all choices people make with their lifestyle. And I'm not opining one way or the other. I mean, I, I personally don't, don't like it. Um, I'm not necessarily arguing for for legal restrictions on it, except with regard to children. Um, but I think that the real story about this is how totally flipped they've gone from, you know, you're born gay or you're born transgender or you're born however, to implicitly acknowledging that these are all choices and that you you are subject to being influenced by society. Um, You know, I mean, why, you know, if, if you're just born that way, then, you know, why would you care whether or not some bigot doesn't accept you or not? I mean, why wouldn't the response be? Well, great, thanks for letting me know that you hate gay people. I don't want to do business with you. I mean, to me, if I were gay, that's what I would want to know. I wouldn't want them to be silent about it. I'd want them to tell me. I mean, you know, I grew up Jewish, even though I'm not practicing today. If somebody hates Jews, please let me know. And I'll, I won't spend any money in your store either. So, I mean, I, but, you know, so there's, that, that, there's a, a, there's a, a little issue to me. The, the real thing is if it's a choice, then, you know, then what's the problem with, you know, for instance, Christian reconversion therapy, right? I mean, they, they constantly make fun of, you know, Christians trying to convert gays back to being straight. Well, I mean, if it's something you take pride in, if it's something that you can choose one way or the other, well, what's wrong with pushing people in the other direction? Why Why can you only push people in one direction?
0: Ed, I'm going to argue with you using your logic. Okay. I don't think they care that the fact that they're proud of it suggests right. that it's a choice. I they don't think they care. They really have it both ways. And you're right. Any normal I, person would say, what are you proud of? It must be a choice. They don't care that they get to say opposite ends of the coin. I agree.
3: I agree 100%, Steve. I was pointing it out for Mike because I wasn't sure Mike was seeing that.
0: I mean, that's that's what you've convinced me of. And it really is. It's unbelievable. And it's like somebody pointed out, there's a day for 700,000 dead veterans and a month for Pride. And apparently once uh, again, the White House doesn't acknowledge D-Day, et yeah. cetera, et cetera.
2: That was pathetic. I'm glad it you brought just, that up.
0: I can't even... You know, whatever my thoughts are on, and I don't say the Pledge of Allegiance any longer. It's a little awkward since I am on a dais at a Memorial Day parade. But whatever I feel about those issues, um, to not honor veterans who have died, to just pretend none of that ever happened, it's just so, it's beyond and beyond.
3: I'm glad you mentioned D-Day because I, I, for the first time, I mean, Every year I I pay silent tribute or even, you know, I'll post on social media something, you know, thanking our veterans and, you know, remembering the, the, the day. And this year, my thought all day on June 6th was all these people died to prevent fascism from coming here. And yet fascism is here and nobody is willing to really fight it right now. Well, we don't have you know, like, it's
0: super it. sad. I think you guys have heard one of the highlights of my entire life was going to Normandy. It was uh, one of my bucket list things. I don't know why. I don't know anybody who's there, but it's definitely one of the highlights of my life is having seen that um, and just thinking thinking about what happened there. And I, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it's, it's symbolic of how we've, you know, we've lost something. You talk about pride, pride in your country.
3: Yeah. That, it's, that it's, you, wa- it's, it's waning. It's you waning. Know, I'm proud of my country and I'm proud of everything here. It's just, it's sad to me that, you know, the, the whole purpose of remembering D-Day and remembering what these people right. did was they were fighting fascism. And, you know,
0: Ed, for those of us who are on the side of peaceful separation, and one of the arguments that gets made, so for instance, when New Hampshire had their hearing on CACR 32, the constitutional amendment for secession, and what you hear from so many of the conservatives is, how can you say such a thing that all of our veterans died in vain? And we're trying to make the point, no, the veterans did not fight for the kind of country we're having today. They fight precisely to keep us from being what the country is today. Right. And that That's- fight is a really hard fight. I would not have wanted to die on June 6, 1944, so that we could be locked down for a year by an executive order.
3: Right. And the fact
0: that 700,000 people people died in 200 years, so therefore what, we should go into total fascism, total totalitarianism, just because? No, we still have a right to be free. And I think it's really, really sad. And I get a kick out of Democrat speakers at these Memorial Day things talking about fighting for freedom, (laughs) like what? New York freedom? Like, what are you even talking about?
2: Yeah, after locking us down.
0: After locking us down.
2: Gina. Wake up.
1: Yes. What's on your
2: mind, Gina?
1: Um, I just want to see if you guys, so Elon Musk has said that the deal may not end up going through. And I just want, because I still don't think it's going to go through. And I know you guys all thought it would. Have you guys changed your mind on that? are you still
3: sticking
0: with it? I'm 50-50 on it. I know. Ed, I think you believe it is going through?
1: I think it's
3: going to go through.
2: At a lower price. I would put my bet on that, too.
0: You too, Mike?
3: Ed uh-huh. Powell may not make as much money as he was expecting to make, but I think mm-hmm. he's going to make some mm-hmm. money.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's two to two on this one, then, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't claim to have much knowledge about this stuff, so.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So that's and where I'm at with the Closing issues.
3: I just think that things are falling apart faster than people realize. I think that I see food shortages in the store. There are lots of items in the grocery store that I'm looking for that aren't always there. And there's a lot of talk about later in the year and then early in 23 of food not being there. I I saw that Biden actually asked some farmers to do a double plant, a double crop this year. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to, I hate being, you know, the, the sky is falling guy, but I feel like the sky is falling. And I, and I think people need to be aware that hunger might come here. I mean, and it's, it's, it's going to, it's coming to other places in the world. I mean, Ukraine is a breadbasket for Europe. Um, there's been an embargo on, you know, there's been a, a blockade of of Ukraine. The Russians are are blockading Odessa and some of the other southern ports. Um, you know, fertilizer is is hard to hard to get right now. Um, I just worry about what's coming this the rest of the summer and the rest of the year. And you know, people need to stay vigilant. You know, but. If, if we're we're hungry and starving and can't afford gas for our cars, and then they shut the internet off to boot, it's going to be pretty hard for us to organize resistance to what what I think is coming. So, I know that's a set, a sad and sour note, but that's that's my thought for the week.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty realistic,
2: actually. Yeah, I don't think you're being cynical. I I think. And, you know, if what are eggs a dozen now?
0: anyway? I don't go into stores, but what are eggs a
2: dozen? You know what? I just <laughs> bought I I just bought a pack of 30 and it was over eight dollars in the store. Okay, okay that's that's I just
1: paid like $3.29 or something like that for $12.
2: Okay, still
3: not too bad. I, I buy I buy the uh organic eggs and I the pasture raised organic eggs and I pay about seven or eight bucks a, a dozen. Oh
0: wow, okay, but those are fancy eggs,
3: so Nancy eggs. More orange jokes.
0: I'm not going to make any Jewish money jokes. Uh, With that, we'll wrap up for today. We will be back next week. Please send us your comments to the conservatarian exchange at libertyblock.com. And thanks for coming along for the ride. Have a wonderful evening.
3: And Ed Powell, we missed you and we hope that you're back next week.